By the way, last week I was sick. I'm better now, okay, so just so you know. And um, I don't know what it was. I was tested for COVID. I didn't have any kind of COVID or anything like that, but um, it put me down for a couple of days. But the week before that, if you were here, I spoke about Elijah and how to have godly grit, how to live with godly grit. And, and by that, I mean not just human grit where you're just a tough person, but where the Holy Spirit empowers you to see things for the long term, you know, to see God's vision for a situation, and then he empowers you to give your life to that vision and to keep on going even when it gets difficult, even when you're disappointed, when you feel alone, and, and you keep on going. Elijah, prophet of the Old Testament, was a picture of godly grit, and yet Elijah himself at one point hit a period where he became so depressed, uh, despaired so much of, of uh, ever having fulfilled his mission and, and was so despondent over what was happening in his nation that Elijah himself wanted to die. He went off by himself and said, God, I wanna die. And he said this also, he said, I'm the only one left I'm the only one in all of Israel that's really willing to honor you. Now, the funny thing is, Elijah knew that wasn't true. He had just spoken to a man named Obadiah, who was a godly man. Obadiah told him, I hid a hundred prophets, and, 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 I'm, and, I'm, and I'm keeping them alive, feeding them now, so he knew that. But what happens when you spiral downward emotionally and you embrace that is your reasoning ability goes out the window. And that's why Second uh, Timothy, Paul says, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when we give in to fear, we lose power. When we give in to fear, we, it's incapable, we're incapable of loving others when we are controlled by fear. Because fear is, turns inward, it's all about me. How's this gonna, and, and, and love is outward but it also destroys our reasoning ability. And so fear is contrary to having a sound mind. But here, what we see is that Elijah, so he concludes, I'm the only one left. God says, nope, Elijah, actually I have 7,000 others just like you who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And I love what Steve Backlin, who is our, uh, one of our Kingdom Pursuit main speakers this year. And by the way, sign up for Kingdom Pursuit. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a powerful time. But Steve says things were 7,000 times better than Elijah thought they were. Isn't that good? 7,000 times better than Elijah thought they were. So whatever you're facing in life right now, and you're thinking, boy, this is pretty bad. You know, let's, let's, let's be very conservative and say they're 100 times better than you think they are. Or, or maybe even a thousand, things are 1,000 times better than you think they are. And we, we need to hold on to that. We need to recognize that because that's part of what gives us grit because that gives us hope and it gives us confidence about the future. And I titled this message, Boldly Facing the Future, because I think we live in days when it's easy to feel little hope for the future, don't we? With, all, with everything with COVID, with, with all of the national shutdowns that we've had, with uh, the thing in Afghanistan that's happening right now, with... Uh, Haiti and the, the horrific things they've experienced with this huge hurricane that's about to hit the Gulf Coast once again uh, tonight with abortion, with the border crisis, 
with everything that we see, it would be very easy just to sit back and say, man, you know, things are going downhill. The devil's winning this whole thing. And, uh, and, and, and we, you know, we might be the only ones left in this room. It'd be easy to start thinking that way. But what God wants us to do is look to the future with boldness and confidence. Because hope is all a matter of where are you putting your hope? Hope is all a matter of who are you trusting? And when I really recognize who God is, and I begin to put my trust in him, in the living God, who is good, who loves us, who cares about us, and, and who is himself the God of all hope, so that we can live with hope, then we can look to the future and we can say, you know what? No matter what happens, I'm gonna thrive. No matter what happens, I am going to thrive because I know Jesus. And in my relationship with Jesus, I'm gonna be okay. And by the way, I think that's the greatest thing we can teach our kids is how to find that put their hope and their confidence in Jesus for the future. And, and no matter what happens, I'm gonna be okay. And uh, these are all Steve Backlandisms, but one of, one of the things Steve says is this, hope is the future's gonna be better than the present and I have power to help make it so. Okay, I like that one. The future is gonna be better than the present and I have power to help make it so. If there's anything we learn by reading the Bible, we see God stepping into darkness and bringing light. We see him stepping into difficult times and raising up godly men and women who stand for truth and, the, and with love and compassion proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with power and you see the beginnings of change when that happens. And so we should, we should have boldness in our hearts and we should look to the future with boldness. There's a passage I wanna to refer to today, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And um, just a powerful, powerful promise I've read many times over the years. And I believe it is a promise for us today. That's why I'm bringing it to you. And in this promise, Isaiah 43, just verses 18 and 19, it says this. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I'm about to do something new and it's already springing forth. Do you not see it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now you read that, boy, yes, isn't that good? It would be so easy to think, okay, what he's saying here is forget all your past failures. Just forget those. They're out of the way. Forget the past wounds. Forget the past because you might have things in the past that are holding you, holding you back. Forget all of that. But that's not what he's saying at all. If you read the previous verses, the two verses right before this, it says this. It says, thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and then I'm paraphrasing now, the one who delivered you from Egypt, the one who parted the Red Sea for you, and the one who destroyed the entire Egyptian army for you. That's the one who's speaking, and then he says, don't think about the past anymore. Don't ponder the past any longer. And what he's saying here is that the great things that God has done in the past are not to limit our understanding of what he will do in the future. And it's possible for us to look to the past and say, oh man, I just wanna see a Red Sea parted. You know, the good old days. You know, the good old days were not as good as we think they were. 
and the future is not as bad as we think it will be. But, but uh, you know, oh, I wish I could have been there with Wimber when he started the vineyard. Or I, better yet, I wish I could have been with Jesus when he started that whole thing. Or, or, or looking back, we look back and we say, you know, this great revival that happened when Wesley and Whitfield preached in America and they, they were preached to 30,000 people and 20,000 would accept Christ and, and huge things like that. He's saying, don't allow those things to limit your expectation of what I can do and what I am planning to do for the future. Okay, so he said, don't, don't get stuck on the past. But then he goes on, he say, says this, behold, I'm, I'm about to do something new. I am doing something new. And this new thing, well, the word behold is a pretty powerful word in and of itself. It's, it's intended to evoke a sense of awe out of us. It's intended to evoke some sense of curiosity and you sit on the edge of your seat like Jesus saying, truly, truly. That's like him saying, all right, now hear this. Everyone, listen. And, and so behold, he says, I'm about to do something new. I'm gonna do something new. And this new thing is, means fresh. It means fresh. It doesn't mean new in the sense of bigger and better of the old thing. It's not like, well, okay, I parted the Red Sea. Now I'm gonna part the Mediterranean Sea. That's the new thing. Or I, you know, I destroyed the Egyptian. I'm gonna destroy 10 armies for you. No, it's not more of the same. It's something of a new nature, of a new kind of work of God. It would be like the difference between saying, we have this great new travel, this, this great new travel method that it's just unbelievable. And you think, okay, so this car that they have has a powerful engine, it parks itself, it stops before you hit another car all on its own. You can go to sleep and it'll drive itself and it gets 250 miles per gallon. That would be the new thing. No, that, that's not it. That's just improvements on the old. When God's saying this, it's more like God's, it's more like new transportation system, Star Trek. Stand right there. We're gonna push a button and you're gonna, in, in 10 seconds, you're gonna be in Philadelphia. It's more like that. It's something of a totally new nature and kind of thing that God wants to do. So when we think of this, then it should stir our hearts and, and it should really give us expectation and, and a real sense of uh, you know, what is God doing? This is one of the reasons prophets are so valuable because they get, they get an idea, they get an inkling ahead of time of what it is God's going to do and what it is he wants to do. And then they tell the rest of us so that we can pray and say, yes, Lord, we want that. But he goes on to say here, I'm doing a new thing. And he says, it's already started. It's already sprung, springing forth. And he's using the illustration there of a seed that's breaking the ground. And if any of you have ever been gardeners or farmers, you, you know how beautiful a thing it is when you first see a seed break through the ground. And he's saying, right there it is. It's happening even right now. And a, a promise for us today from the New Testament is this, John 5, 17. Jesus said, my father is always working. He said, the Father is always working. And so it's always incumbent upon us to yield our hearts and our minds to the Holy Spirit to allow him to give us insight and wisdom to see where he's working. 
And in moments such as this, where he, he specifically says, okay, now, you know, I've been working all along. Now there's gonna be something new and fresh that's gonna happen. And, and then he says, don't you see it? And uh, don't you see it? The expectation is we can see it. The expectation is we should be able to see it. And we should be able to say, there it is. That's, that's the new thing God's doing. And when, uh, if we can't, then that's like no great flaw in us or anything. I, myself, there have been times I've stood in front of the uh, refrigerator door and I have looked for the ketchup. And I can swear I would have bet, bet $1,000 we're out of ketchup. And Lori will walk over and pick it right up. I mean, it's, it's insane how that happens. Sometimes if I'm looking through, literally what I'll do now is, at times I will touch every item. Because <laughs> that makes my brain then track and, and follow. And if I'm looking for something and it's dark, I'll turn a flashlight on, I'll put it on a narrow beam, and then I'll just start going through the room <laughs> like this because then my brain has to follow that light and I see it. But it's so easy for something to be there and for us to miss it. And boy, that's the last thing we want to do when there's something like this where God says, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you want to see it? Don't you want to be part of this? And so if, if, if I'm having trouble seeing it, uh, one of the things I, I can do is just get closer to the action. I just need to get closer to what's happening, whatever that means. Get closer to the action. If you've ever been here on a Holy Spirit night, when uh, we have the place packed out, and someone like Robbie Dawkins is speaking, and there's a whole group of people on one side of the room laughing. If you're sitting on the other side of the room, you're saying, I don't get that. I don't see that. Well, get up and walk over there. Walk over there and sit down in the midst of that, and you'll, you'll get to see it. And, and people have actually um, moved from being believing the gifts of the Spirit were dead to believing they are alive because they walked across the room and got close enough to the action to see that leg grow out or to see that person healed when they were prayed for. And so just sometimes it's just a matter of getting physically closer to what's happening, physically closer. That's one of the reasons it's important to come here. You can't get the same thing at home that you can get here. Now, you know, we're so thankful for technology and that we can broadcast these services, but there's something about being in the room that is, is really important to us grasping everything that's, that's happening, I believe, and that, that God's doing. And that's not to say that God can't speak to people through the TV or anything like that, but just as a general principle, get closer to the action. Second thing is this, get closer to the Father. Because if you can't see it, just get, get closer to him and then he can point it out to you. You know, like if, if you're sitting right there and I'm saying, well, right there it is, you're at an angle where me pointing doesn't really mean a whole lot. But if you come up and stand right behind my shoulder and I say, there it is, then you can look down the line of my finger and you can say, oh, I see it now. And so get closer to the Father. Just sit before him, read the word. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Father, show me more of who you are as, as I'm just sitting quietly before you contemplating, meditating on your word, and you will gain new perspective. You get to see from his perspective, and then you can recognize the new thing that's happening. But um, he goes on, well, before we move on, um, Forrest Brown is uh, Tyler Brown's son. Tyler was the worship leader here for many years. Actually, Forrest was born the same summer we formed this church. 
And so, you know, like you ever see calendars where they'll put a little picture of a baby, you know, for the new year? Well, do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever see that? Nobody like a Cupid type baby? Okay, well, for us, it will be a picture of Forrest Brown every year. As, as Forrest grows, the church has grown. And Forrest, uh, he's back in the sound booth right now. Forrest came to me a few months ago and, and said, hey, how do I hear God speak? And, you know, we talked for a while. And, and then I, I said, you know what? I said, just get a notebook out. And every morning, take 15 minutes and say, God, what are you going to do today in my life? And whatever comes into your mind, write it down. You know, meet someone with purple hair or, um, or, or whatever it might be. Write it down and then see what happens. And note the things that you heard from God that actually came about. And that way, then you start to sharpen your sense of recognizing God's voice versus just random thoughts in your mind. And so he came back sometime later and, and, and said, I'm doing this, this working. It's incredible. And uh, one day he got up and he was doing this and he just felt like God told him, say this to your friend, your roommates. Tell him that God's with him even when he doesn't feel like it. Pretty simple thing, isn't it? Wouldn't you maybe kind of be embarrassed to say that even, right? You, you might think, well, of course he knows that. Well, you know, am I treating him like a child or what? But Forrest, just a brave, brave young guy, he found the right time and he said, hey, I felt like God wanted me to tell you that uh, he wants you to know that he's with you even when you don't feel, feel him. And his friend didn't say anything, but later that day he came up to him and he said, how did you know to tell that to me? How did you know to say that? Because last night, that's the very thing I was praying about. It's the very thing I was asking God. God, are you with me even when I don't feel you? Show me, answer that. And, and so we can get closer to the Father and we can, we, can, we can sharpen the perception he's given us into the spirit realm so that we see more clearly, so that we can hear what's happening and understand what's happening more clearly. But uh, there is this whole thing of just getting closer to him. He describes the new thing now when he says, I'll make a roadway in the wilderness. And I read that and I thought, there's something odd about that. Why do you wanna make a roadway into the wilderness or in, in the wilderness. Why? Who wants to, I, hey, what do you want to do today? Well, let's just drive out into the wilderness. I mean, there are times that might be cool, but uh, in general, you don't build a four-lane highway into the wilderness because in general, people don't want to go there. The, the, it must mean there's something happening in the wilderness. It must mean there's something really good that's about to occur in the wilderness if God's gonna build a roadway there. I remember in when the year we formed this church, 2001, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was back in my hometown and walking to school. I was an adult, but I was walking to the high school. And uh, I walked to school every day. But um, I had to cross this little valley that had a viaduct crossing, covering it, over it. You had to walk across the viaduct. I was always a little bit nervous about that because it was pretty high. But um, in this dream, this viaduct had crumbled and the walls were gone and there were places where big chunks had fallen off. And uh, nevertheless, I walked the whole way across this, this decrepit viaduct, this bridge and got to the other side, a couple of other things happened, and then I got up close to the high school and I saw that they were building a new highway, a new bridge across this valley, 
uh, to the school. And it was a big four lane highway that they were building across to replace the old viaduct across to the school. And as I came up to it, um, with, with the construction and the excavation, they had left a wall about 20 feet high of dirt. And I had to get over that wall to get into the school. And that was my goal in this dream was to get into the school. So there were some young adults around there that I knew in, in real life at that time in the dream. And they helped me up. We put a desk down and then another desk on top of that and then some chairs and chairs and built this thing up. And, and I'm crawling up that to try to get over this, to scale this, this wall. And I get about two thirds of the way up and the whole thing crumbles and I fell to the ground. And I wasn't hurt. I remember falling and thinking that that didn't even hurt. But then the very next thing, I'm transported into the school. And I'm in a room packed with people, well lit, and they're all very happy and joyfully singing old Beatles songs. Like, you know, she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, those types of old Beatles songs. And, uh, and it was wonderful, just this wonderful atmosphere. And then a guy that I had known in high school that uh, we weren't, I mean, we were friends, but not like best friends or anything. He came up to me and was just so delighted to see me and so happy to see me. And then the dream ended. But uh, I, 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 various ways I looked at that dream. But for certainly one of them was God's doing something new. You know, that old bridge isn't gonna do it anymore. We'll get, we're gonna, in fact, we're gonna demolish that old viaduct. And we're gonna build a new one that's bigger, that's different, that's right, gonna bring people right to the place. And I think that's what he's talking about here. Uh, some, something even more than that because it's, it's a new thing that goes beyond the old thing. And he says, I'll make a roadway in the wilderness. And then he says, I will make rivers in the desert. Now we're getting there, okay? Because rivers in the desert is what brings the desert to life. And that's why you would want to build a roadway into the desert. Because if God creates water in the desert, then there's going to be life in the desert. In the very next chapter, verses three through five, he describes more what he means by that. And in verse, chapter 44, verses three through five, he says this. He says, for I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up among the grass like poplars by streams of water. This one will say, I am the Lord's. And that one will call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand belonging to the Lord and will name Israel's name with honor. And so he describes there this thirsty ground. This new thing is going to involve blessing generations. And it's gonna, it's gonna involve the hearts of parents that are yearning for their children. It's gonna involve them coming back and, and them receiving life. But you know, in uh, the staff uh, retreat we had recently, I went over this message with them and I asked them just to pray and to think through what are some of the new things that would be of a new nature, not just more of the old, but of a new nature. Not like, well, we're gonna do Alpha and it's gonna have 200 people instead of 100, but new, fresh things. It could have to do with structure. It could have to do with just supernatural breakthrough. And, and some of the things that they came up with were that one of them was this. Uh, people set free and being healed just simply as they walk into the church, as they pass over the threshold of the church. 
No one prayed for them or anything. They walk through and a demon screams and, and leaves them. Or they walk through and suddenly they're healed of cancer. And, and then it was this, that that would, as it happens here, it would extend out. It would extend to the edge of our property. And then it would extend down to Coleraine Avenue. And then it would extend to the whole, the whole uh, township of Coleraine. That anybody who steps across the border into Coleraine Township is gonna encounter God in a, in a life-giving, life-changing way. That was one of them, one of the ideas. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, let's give it up for the Lord on that one, okay? Another one was the church doubling in size by new believers. Yeah, new believers. And that everyone's being discipled. And that everyone in the church knows how to disciple someone knows how to help them grow in their faith in Jesus, knows how to take someone from the moment they receive Christ until the moment they mature into real stable standing in their faith, that, that season of discipleship. Uh, another one, out on the streets and uh, demonized people walk by us and they're set free. Uh, another one, people get healed with uh, undiagnosed diseases without being prayed for. Another one was revival in the schools because every fall we send all of our kids back to school. Yes, yeah, so, so many different things. But um, th this is what I think God wants us to do is to contemplate and to open our hearts up to the, the new thing he wants to do. And I think it's a new thing here, not just here, but across our city, not just with our church, but with many other churches as well. But I do know with our church, and since this is our church, we're gonna, we're gonna pray for and talk about what we think God's doing here and, and what he does wanna do to expand other places. But you know, in John 14, 12, Jesus said, whoever believes in me, the works I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these. Now, I had always interpreted the greater works as more, more, uh, more people raised from the dead and um, you know, more healing and more people come to faith in Christ. But maybe it is referring to this fresh thing. Maybe the greater works are a different type of work, a different type of thing. Maybe the new thing he's referring to is that uh, we're gonna pray and angels are gonna show up visibly. You know, the other night when we were praying for Afghanistan in our house group here, uh, we went through this, this concept, and one of the things that we prayed for was that God would release angels from heaven and assign uh, angels, in some cases multiple angels, to every woman and child in Afghanistan because they're gonna take the, the horrific brunt of this, uh, not that the men won't. But, uh, and then we prayed, and Lord, when they're threatened, give those angels permission to reveal themselves. Uh, empower them and, and, and release them to sh present themselves to intimidate whoever is bringing the harm. And then the ones bringing the harm, let them repent, give them dreams. You know, like Wilson described the dream that that guy had where they prayed for him and he had a dream that he was in total dark, in the United Arab Emirates. If you weren't here last week, there's a man they prayed for that he would have a dream. He grew up Hindu, he was currently an agnostic but uh, he had a dream that he was in pitch darkness and he couldn't even see his own hand, but then he saw a hand come in and he reached out and he took it and that hand drew him. And as it drew him, he realized it was Jesus and he was, he was moving into light. And so let's pray for that. that, that kind of new thing, that the Taliban in, in mass would be visited by Jesus in their dreams. 
in addition to so many things in our own nation. And by the way, what we're, what we're facing uh, as a nation, I was thinking of this not long ago. I thought, you know, it's kind of like we have this, well, we have this spectrum and extreme left and extreme right. And you can name it yourself if you want to, but um, you know, you have on the far left and on the far right. And then I'm, I was thinking to myself, well, where exactly do I fit into this? And the Lord spoke to me and said this. He said, that whole spectrum is worldly wisdom. You don't see yourself on it. You, you exist outside that spectrum because you have godly wisdom. And we need to view ourselves not as more this or more that, and that's where I am. We need to view ourselves as kingdom of God people. Not that we don't, yeah, not that we don't have opinions or that we don't see things as truth or not truth, not that, but I'm not gonna give my heart and my life to that. And I'm not gonna allow that to become the thing that keeps me up at night because I'm looking at it from a perspective of godly wisdom and trusting God with the ultimate outcome. But um, um, I think that's really important in these days for us as the church. Not that we don't have opinions or we can't, we can't stand up here and say abortion's wrong or that um, you have other biblical values, but that we're, we're not taking up a cause against people. Like, because if you picture yourself on that spectrum, what that means is if you're here, then this is the enemy. And if you're here, then this is the enemy. And that's what we're seeing in our nation. It, it's, it's polarization and people are the enemy. But Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. What he's saying there is man, other people aren't the problem. He said, we wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And the only way you can keep a clear heart towards people that you, that you strongly disagree with is to realize that this person is not the enemy. God, give me compassion for them. You know, let, me, let me really have a heart like Jesus has for them and then give them a dream in the night or whatever. But um, that's just a kind of a side note. But in Jeremiah 33.3, God says there, he says, call on me and I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know of. Call on me. And in Isaiah 62, six, he says, I have set watchmen on the walls. And, and, I'm, and I'm telling them, you know what his command to the watchman was? He says, the, the watchmen, they are prayers, they are intercessors, they are people with insight and the ability to see what's coming so that they can pray about it. He's, he, he says, his instruction to them is, give yourselves no rest. In other words, be diligent. You know what his second instruction is? Give me no rest until Jerusalem is established as the praise of the earth. So he says, don't take any rest, be diligent on this, and by the way, keep coming after me. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Keep coming and asking, keep coming and asking, because this is gonna happen. You know, um, you know the reason, Amos 3, 7 says that, it says, will I do, will I, will I do anything without telling my people, the prophets. Do you know why he tells his prophets? So that we can, Jeremiah 33, three. So that we can call upon the Lord. So that we can say, okay, God, yeah, we want that. Lord, let that happen here. Because God does act in what I would call, maybe the better word is unilaterally. I mean, there are times he just makes a decision, says that's gonna happen, bang, it happens. 
but his normal process is he created the world. He put us here and he put us in charge of it. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. He said, okay, now you rule over this place and you subdue it. And so he wants us to, the normal process is for him to say, hey, I wanna do that. And we say, yes, Lord, do it. Come, do it. We say, yes, we welcome it. And so he tells us, and then we pray and we say yes. That's why I think we need to start praying more as a church. I think we need to have more intercessory meetings. And uh, we did this in my house group last Thursday night. It was powerful, powerful, powerful time. So this Thursday night, here in the auditorium, we're gonna meet, we're gonna have some worship, and then we're gonna spend a full hour, hour and 15 minutes or so in intercession. And we're gonna pray for Afghanistan. We're gonna pray for Haiti. By that time, we'll be praying for uh, the, 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 the uh, hurricane that, that hits the Gulf Coast. And we're gonna pray for other things too, but we're gonna pray for our church, for us to rise up and to be everything God's calling us to, that we can, we can move into that, that new thing, the new things God wants to do here. So I invite you to that uh, this Thursday night, 6.30, right here in the auditorium. We'll send out an email to remind you of that, okay? But um, God wants to do a new thing, something new and fresh in our church body, in our city, in your life as well. And so as, um, as, as we come to a close, I wanna ask the prayer team to make their way to the front. Let's all stand. Prayer team, come on up. And if any of this really ministers to you, come up and, um, and, and get more prayer because people praying for you releases something into your life. So Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you call us to something new and fresh, that the future is bright. and We can look at it boldly uh, with, with you in our lives and as we trust and obey you in Jesus' name.